Welcome to episode number 32 of Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you start and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm Justin Gordon, your host and an MBA student in the class of 2020 at the USC Marshall School of Business. I've had my hand in entrepreneurship and business since 2012 when I launched Just Go Fitness and now with Just Go Grind. In this episode of Just Go Grind, we have Sam Simonese. And he has gone from financial advising to Legends Living LLC, which is a real estate investment company, and then also coaching and consulting entrepreneurs. And he takes a high-level view of entrepreneurship in this episode, which I think is valuable, going a little bit away from as many of the tactics and strategies, but more of a high-level approach, and I think it's useful for people as well. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast. You can support the show over on iTunes by leaving a rating and review. I'd very much so appreciate that. Without further ado, here is Sam. Welcome to the show, man. Dude, I appreciate being here, man. Yeah, happy to have you on. And looking through all of your career history and everything you've been short, up to, short. I thought there's something I had to ask. So if someone was, you know, came up to you and was like, you know, asking for work, what do you do? What would you even tell them? Yes, because I do a couple different things, right? So it reminds me of a thought that I had, which I think we're going to talk a lot about that, okay? About, hey, I used to think about something like this, and now I'm thinking about this, and it's better than it used to be, okay? I think that's going to be a theme of our conversation here. But it reminds me of a thought that I had to think before I went to BNI for the first time. Okay, you ever been to BNI? Jay Gordo 8, have you? BNI? Yeah. Okay, so it stands for Business Networking International, okay? It's like, at least that I know, like the, the only international referral group okay you pay a membership fee you get chastised if you ever miss uh, it's every single week <laughs> it costs money to be there and so the my friend uh spencer who i guess i'll give a shout out to one of my favorite people uh he really wanted to start a bni right because referral groups always seem like a good idea don't they they always are a better idea than what they actually are um <laughs> and and because and i think everybody goes about referral groups the wrong way. But so I had to think about it and I was going to go just to appease them. Now, what's funny about the story actually of that BNI group, I was the only one who raised my hand to say, I'm probably not going to do this. But when I look back, who was in the circle and Spencer, if he's listening still to this, he's nodding. And so is my friend, Tony. And so, you know, is my friend Morgan. And so are these people that I actually met at this BNI group that it was my one and only. I had one of my best one-liners ever at that BNI. Uh, ask me about it later. But um, I had to think about, I'm going to go there and which business do I want to sit in as? Right? Because you're asking me this because when you go to my LinkedIn, you know, you see financial advisor or financial consultant because it's that, that, that business, financial advising, sort of my former life at this point, but it was where I grew up in business after I graduated from bartending. It's really hard to figure out what to say. Yeah. Right. And so I had to think about this thought of, okay, I'm going to go to BNI. What do I want to say? The BNI that I went to, that this one I'm talking about, I decided I'm going to go as business coach. Okay. Okay. I had one client at the time. Okay. He paid me $200. Okay. We hung out for, you know, a couple hours a month, two, two set times. And then when, you know, he might call me if he was having, you know, issues in the world of business, right? I had one client that was paying me $200. Okay. Cause this was back in like March of this year. Okay. March, yeah. April, May, something. I almost didn't go to BNI by the way, because my dad and my sister and my future brother-in-law whose wedding I get to say in April, their wedding, they showed up to my office like 45 minutes before. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, yes, now I have a good excuse to tell my man Spencer that I don't want to go. 
or that I couldn't go. I couldn't go, right? Like, it's, oh, family's here. I can't go. I could, I, yeah. It wasn't that I didn't want to, I couldn't go, right? And I had some small voice inside of me that said go. And clearly that small voice wanted to give me a platform to say my best one-liner ever uh, when I made fun of the guy's tie like I did that day. But really, I think it was karma or whatever you call karma. I call karma Jesus Christ. Other people call it, you know, Headspace app or whatever. But it was that, whatever that is, telling me you got to go. And the reason it told me to go as as quote unquote business coach, as opposed to financial advisor, because it was telling me what I was supposed to be doing. So a four minute answer to your first question, which God help us on this today, is I would say I do business coaching or consulting or whatever you want to call it, but it's all a masquerade or it's all a, it's all a, uh, a front for teaching really. Yeah. So you using business as a way to teach essentially is what you're saying. And I guess in a, in a way before you mentioned, you know, financial advising in a form of life, that's also teaching, but why was financial advising? Why was that the route you chose after college in the first place? Cause it was the first phone call I ever got, uh, where a recruiter wanted me. It's nice to be wanted. It does feel really good to be wanted. Okay. feels really, really good. My wife feels better when I say out loud to her that I want her. Right. So I had a recruiter. Her name is Brittany. Call me as a junior in college. I was in the basement of my house. I remember where I got the call. That's how much it meant to me. Okay. And I remember what she said. She's, she said something to the effect of your friend, Andrew, who is, has accepted our internship, you know, said that you'd be a good fit, you know, to at least learn about it. And so, and, and said a lot of other good things about you. Would you be interested in, in coming and spending some time, you know, for us to learn more about you? Uh, Cause you sounds like you've got some good things going on. And I got that phone call and they might as well have just given me the paperwork at that right there. <laughs> you know so, what I mean? I never, I was in college. I never gotten that phone call. I'd always just gotten yelled at by coaches because I was an athlete. <laughs> so with that though, I mean, what was that? Like, you know, midway through your senior year, beginning of your senior year, like end of your senior, when was that? Junior year. So like junior year is that. So like you could have, in theory, though, like waited and not done that route. But yeah, no, but if you know me, Justin, because we don't know each other super well, right? When you think of our mutual friend that we know each other through, who do you think about? Justin Conway. Hell yeah. If you would have said Corey Vega, I would have cried. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Vegas. If you know me, if you really know me, you know that when I have a tendency when I see something that seems like possibility, I just go. And I don't think about it. Most of the time, I don't think about it enough. Do you think that hurts you? It's almost not the right question. Do, has it hurt me? Yes. It has. But I mean, do you think overall that's a, that's a plus or a negative for you? Just curious. I don't think about it that way because I think I had a mentor once. His name's Joel Milder. He's a chief development officer for a, a large network office inside of Northwestern Mutual. And there was a, a coaching meeting we had once. And he was telling me, he, he was teaching me this because he could see the need for it. The need's obvious and you see things that you've struggled and probably overcome. That's what we see. Just like when, after I bought my Nissan Altima and I started seeing it everywhere, you know, they were there before I just didn't see it. So Joel saw that he said, Sam, I think an opportunity for you would be doing a better job identifying the decisions in your life that need to be instapotted or really thought about and made, you know, quickly. Sure. And I think, you know, you need to know which decisions need to go in the slow cooker and be slow. Yeah. So and I, I thought that was brilliant and I had no clue how to do that. You <laughs> <laughs> said that and guess, and, and I'm thinking what you're thinking, which is like, okay, that is absolutely true, but now what? Right. And so 
knowing that though, and then you, okay, you get this call from a financial from Northwestern Mutual. You're like, okay, well, this is amazing. They're after me. They want me. This is how I roll. I just go. I, I just go. I take action and do things. So I had a meeting next week. I wore a maroon sweater yeah. with corduroy khaki pants that had faded, you know, lines in the corduroys because they were probably like the only pants I wore and maroon shoes. First gift my wife gave me. Thanks, Liv. That I think Kathleen, my sister in law, helped her pick out. I wore that, looking like a total chotch. Uh, and I wore the same outfit then, I'm pretty sure, for the presentation a few weeks later. Okay. So my managing director never let me forget. And then <laughs> every single time there was somebody waiting in the waiting room to be the intern and they were all wearing a suit, I remembered the maroon sweater and the maroon shoes. So anyway, so yeah. So I mean, I pursued it. Yeah. And knowing that, so you go into that then after, which, so did you start that during college then and then you just kept Correct. going? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so Northwestern Mutual, Northwestern Mutual, which I, I'm so thankful that I started my career at Northwestern Mutual. I have nothing but good things to say about Northwestern Mutual. That, that hasn't always been because I think anytime we exit somewhere, even our favorite sport, like football, right? Justin, you played football. Yeah. What was your last football game? I mean, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question, honestly. Uh, what was it? When, when you, was you it? played in college, right? You played at UWL, I thought. Yeah, yeah in football. Yeah, play in college at UWL. Yeah. Did you play through sophomore, junior, senior year? Through senior, but in theory, I could have had another year. But yeah. Did your last game in football end because of an injury? No. It did not? Yeah. Why did you have your last? You had 12 games left in your eligibility or whatever. Why did you end it? Because graduation, because academics, I was ready to roll. Ah, okay. Um, Do you think if you would have liked football more, you would have come back to play again and maybe just picked up like three or six credits? I don't know if it would have been about liking football more or liking business less. Sure. I was ready to roll with other things, honestly. Dude, dude, that is such a good turn of that question because it's exactly how I felt when business pulled me, when Northwestern Mutual pulled me. And I can remember track teammates, cross-country teammates, at least I felt them mad at me for doing it. And I think if I asked them honestly, or you asked them honestly, I think I did get mad at, you know, at the time. Cause I, I actually just like dropped everything and ran kind of like dare taught me for drugs, but I dropped everything and I ran. Yeah. And you went straight to it, one deep and just one. Okay. I'll deep, I, I can remember that being at a track meet in college, an indoor track meet. And I was reading the Granum book. Okay. The Granum book is like, Al Granham was a was a a managing partner, which is like the top level CEO sort of thing of Northwestern Mutual, and he did a huge volume data study back when you had to take data in pieces of paper and books, okay, not you know with a pixel, okay. So he took this huge data study of in the life insurance business, what are the ratios, like how many Justin Gordons does a life insurance agent need to call on so that a certain amount of those Justin Gordons will say, hey, Al, I make 50 grand delivering the mail. That would be a fact finder, is it, it's called in that business. And then how many of those Justin Gordons actually say yes to becoming a client? He did this huge volume study, thousands and thousands of data points over 10, 20 years. And then he made a book and they call it the Granum book and it teaches the business. I can remember reading that book at an indoor track meet and I knew that I was going to be a financial advisor the rest of my life. Jeez. Now, that is ironic as hell, what I just said, isn't it? Because they're not anymore. Because I just confidently said, to the point where maybe someone missed it that's listening, I said I knew, absolutely knew with certainty that I was going to be a financial advisor the rest of my life. That is a microcosm, of course, for why I have some credibility, less than a lot of people and more than some, when it comes to teaching some business because I've failed in business. 
Right. And to that point though, like obviously you became a financial advisor yep. and you didn't stay a financial advisor. What happened? So which part of the story do you want? Up to you, man. Okay. Because there's like the Sam winning awards part and like people putting Sam up on a pedestal part of the story. And then there's, you know, Sam failing. And I think there's some good stuff in both. So we can do both if you want. Yeah, go for it. So chronological, let's go chronological. Okay. okay. So I said, I dropped everything and ran. Okay. I dared it. Right. And I ran hard. Okay. The internship is interesting because during the summer, it's a top 10 business internship. I thought it was hard to get. It isn't as hard to get as they make it seem, but it's a top 10 business internship because you're literally doing the same thing that the 30 year old is just on a smaller scale with less intelligence and wisdom. Right. And less people who want to talk to you right, and experience, yeah. less expensive clothes. And you might be l- missing some designations and I wasn't missing any licenses. Okay. At the time. And so I could do everything they could. I just probably did it worse. And, but that's why it's a top 10 business internship is because the job I did after college mirrored, you know, should have mirrored exactly, or, or could have mirrored perfectly what I was doing in college. And that was fun. I felt like a big boy, despite how I looked, I felt like a big boy. And so I just dove in so deep and the, you know, sometimes you accidentally do some good things along the way. And one of those things, Justin, which I think you do, and I know you're doing by hosting a podcast is I pursued knowledge. However, I did not pursue knowledge about the product that I was selling. I wasn't buying books about investments. I wasn't buying Bogglehead. I wasn't buying, I wasn't reading insurance and tax related stuff. What do you think I was reading? Actually, real question. What do I think you're reading? Probably more psychology, yeah. human psychology type of stuff. Yeah. Like per, for, I was reading personal development books. Right. I was reading Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. I was reading Strangest Secret. I was reading Getting Naked. I was reading Rhinocerous Success. I was, I was seeking out mentors. I was seeking out you know guys like Mike Brownlow, which I'm going to go back to Mike Brownlow because at some point in our hour here, we'll probably talk about coaching and coaches and who's influenced me. I bet you'll ask that. And I'm going to talk about Mike Brownlow at that point. But I was just given books. I was given the gift of reading. I was given the gift of, hey, people way smarter than you, Sam. This is interesting. People way smarter than you have actually taken all of their best stuff, all of it, and put it into book format for you to read. And sometimes it's free. Right. Um, I looked at that and said, really? That seems like that's an easy. They make it easier if you do that. And I like things when they're easy. You know, I love the saying, geniusly lazy. Like, I think that is what people should take from 4-Hour Workweek. Geniusly lazy. And, and, and how many people, Justin, take Tim Ferriss is lazy. Tim Ferriss is suggesting that I should work four hours a week. <laughs> well, unless I read it. Unless I read it and consume this content, I understand what they're saying. They it's only the haters, it's though. Lazy. Yeah, yeah. It's only the haters that say what I said, and it's the same haters who would never read the book. Right. Right. So, the, you know, if Tim Ferriss can get misunderstood, I'm misunderstood. You're misunderstood. Yeah, anyone could. Right? Anybody can be. So, so, think about huge platform, I'm misunderstood. No platform, I think, guarantees misunderstanding and then how does it feel to be misunderstood not good right not good at all like lonely so one thing that i've just recently really become passionate about i don't really know what i'm gonna do with it yet okay so stay tuned but mental health i think is one of our nation's biggest opportunities is mental health 
And to me, over where I'm sitting over here, it just seems like pretty easy fix. Now, knowing you and I both know I'm not seeing the whole picture, but I always feel so much better when I just talk things out. And I'm a talk learner. Okay. Everybody knows that about me. But I think if we created an environment like you create on your podcast for people that are down in the dumps and are depressed and are, you know, mentally ill, yeah, I think they'd get better. Possibly. It's more than that, <laughs> but it, it's possible. Obviously, obviously yeah. more, obviously more. But like, you know, my sister, my oldest sister, Molly, who's one, always been and always will be one of my heroes, um, full ride to college, you know, was thinking about going to be a doctor. And Molly's the kind of person that when she was thinking about going to being a doctor, she thought about it while she was a full-time, you know, volunteer and which ultimately she became the director of this homeless park out in Sacramento. And she went from that to the, the first page of CNN, actually, for blowing a whistle on this mental health fraud, essentially. This facility in Vegas was giving their patients, their crazy patients, right, at the psych ward, one-way bus tickets to Sacramento and telling them that people were going to be there to meet them. That is wild. And my well, sister... Everyone, everyone wants to move the problem. Yeah, everyone wants to change the problem. Yeah, you know, no, no, we'll give it, move it over there. Uh, I'm sure that does a lot for their karmic, you know, bank deposit. I'm sure the, that guy who made that decision to do that has a lot of good shit coming his way. But my sister Molly has these people showing up at her homeless park. And how much more effort is it to say something? What do you mean? Like how much more effort is it for Molly to blow the whistle and say, okay, these people keep showing up from this bus looking for someone or something. And I'm seeing a theme. What you need to know about my sister Molly is that she treats that person likely very similar to the way that she would treat Donald Trump the same way. That's why everybody loves Molly. And it takes so much more effort, I think. I've never done it, but I bet Molly would verify this. Scooter is what I call her. It takes so much more effort to blow the whistle than it does just to keep your mouth shut. Right. Easier to keep the status quo. Yes. Why, why be disruptive? Why bring confrontation? My sister, Molly, this is funny as hell, actually. She is the least confrontational person I have ever met in my life. I think my sister, Molly, I think senses confrontation, ordering pizza through the, the delivery app, not even calling. Okay. You know, like my sister, Molly is so nice that she'll apologize if she walks by you too fast and she like blew wind on you and you might've gotten a kind of cold because you have sweaty palms. You know what I mean? Right. And she, only when she had a purpose so much greater than her, did she have the onions to confront the state of California. Right. That's crazy, man. Like, it is wild. What people will do inside of something much bigger versus doing it for themselves is crazy. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, you wonder how that can be applied to other things and especially even in the business context as well. And of course, people yeah. who start businesses because of that same exact thing. There's an issue, there's a problem, there's a need. It's not about them, it's about everyone else. And whether it be a yeah. nonprofit or an actual business, they go out and create that thing. I mean, I, does that sound, it sounds like a podcast I know, actually. It sounds like just go grind. 
Well, one of the recent one episodes actually with uh, Sarah Alper from PMS Box was one of those things. There's another big example if you want to think of like Tom from Tom's Shoes and people having shoes, but there's issues with that as well. But it's that idea of there are problems and people can solve them, whether it be through business or nonprofit or whatever, but and, because it's for someone else, not for them. It's not about them necessarily. And that's and, and to take that a step further, have you ever read the book, The Go-Giver, Justin? No, I've not. Okay. So any person that's listening, whether it's 10 or 10,000 that has never read the book, go giver. Okay. So like go get the bacon, go get it, but go give it, you know, Bob Berg. It's even a better listen because Bob Berg and the person who co-writes it, I can't remember. They're the ones that narrated on audible. So it's kind of entertaining that way. And it's a fable. Who doesn't like fables? Um, the best read I've ever read about business. That book goes to convince you that what you're saying, where how there are actual real problems out here and we can really be real people and solve them and, and be others focused. That book has the audacity to consider that that's actually the best way to do business, actually. But here's the problem because I was having this conversation with my friend Dennis Vogel this morning. And he's the CEO of uh, Citizen State Bank in La Crosse here, which is the number one community bank in the state of Wisconsin. So the guy knows a little bit about some stuff. And he's also was telling me this morning about, he has a lot of people come in and, and ask him for stuff, okay? Which I was there to do, actually. So, and what he was saying was the philanthropic, you know, play, like Tom Shoes, which I agree with him when he says this, has sort of gotten crowded. Like too many people are saying, are going for it now. Right, a lot of people you know, are, yeah. You know what I mean? And the problem is, and so you might ask yourself, I, I see this with side hustles. Like how many people do you know that want to start an app? And then they search the app on the app store and they say, oh, there's already people inside of that. You know, someone else thought about it already. Next idea, you know, but in reality, it's not about what you're doing. It's about how you do it. So it's not about, are you philanthropically leading with your brand message or not? It's about, is it authentic? It's not about, are you also trying to do a calendar app along with the rest of them? It's about how well do you do it and how well do you sell it? And how many people know what differentiates your calendar app than Google calendars. Because if you don't create value or like solve a problem with that app, that Google calendar or something that everyone else has by default is creating, you're right. No one's going to buy it. Right. But I don't think... narrative around it. Yeah. People are asking themselves the wrong question. They're asking themselves, has anyone thought of that before? Or yeah, in business, right? How many people think of that? Has anybody thought of this before? The, The answer to that question is almost guaranteed yes. Almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. All, almost, almost all the time. And it's a matter of, yeah, how are they doing it? Why are they doing it? What, what are they doing well? What are they not doing well? Who are they serving? So many different questions you could ask to find a whole... Get a different in, answer. In what, ...in what they're doing and find ways that if it's something you want to do, you could in theory do it. And there's also... There tends to be room in the marketplace for more than one. It's not as zero <laughs> in many situations. And so looking at it from a different perspective... They if are the many- government is not regulating the business you're in, there's more than one. Realistic. And if, there's, if there can exactly. be two, exactly. there can be two million. There can be 2,000. Yeah, there's other podcasts, but I have a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you know, I went where I just not more than one person listen to it. Other business podcasts out there, it's like, no, I would, I would still do it. So. Does, does, does more than one pe- person listen to this, Justin? Of course. Hell yeah. Okay, perfect. How about preaching the gospel? Okay. Preaching something that has always been on my heart to do, okay, is preach. Preaching and speaking are kind of the same thing, right? Except when you're preaching, you're selling the Bible. And when you're speaking, 
you know, you're either advancing a mission or advancing your brand or whatever, right? And then this goes all the way down to like sales presentation, right? Me and you one-on-one, I'm going to pitch you on my product, you buy it, right? I think they're all the same thing. Different stages, different products. But the interesting thing I think about pastoring or preaching is you've got to go up in front of an audience that shows up begrudgingly, I think for the most part, and is expecting a lot of you because you're promising a lot. And you have to say something new every week. However, the Bible does not change. The same words are in there every year, actually. And it is really simple how to do what the Bible's saying. We're not talking about religion here. We're talking about sales. Okay, It's really simple what the Bible says, if you believe in the Bible, on, on how to win that game. Okay, But the pastor needs to go up every Sunday and say something different or, you're, or, or you'll get bored. Right? And you'll stop showing up. So I think that there is so much brilliance inside of pastoring, despite that it doesn't get paid a lot of money. That doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of brilliance inside of it or it doesn't take a lot of work or effort. And what I think a lot of my heart inside of preaching and pastoring isn't, I don't want to have a mega church or like start a church or anything like that, but I just want to experience that challenge to have to do that because I would love to sell the Bible because I believe in it. And I, I'm the kind of guy where if I believe in something, I want to sell you it. Don't ask me about Pixel 3 XL right now because I want to sell you it. Okay. Exactly. Don't ask me about an air fryer right now. Don't ask me about a handheld vacuum. I want to sell you it because I love it. That I want to pursue preaching and pastoring. Like I think we're in church right now. We're in, we're in our church, right? Because you start, I bet you become a different person when we start talking about business. Business over everything in general. Yeah. I get more excited than anything else in the world. And, and a different side of and different, you com, com, comes out, right? Right. My wife's best friend's boyfriend, who will remain nameless, or he'll get mad at me again and make me do more CrossFit. Which, by the way, I want to apologize to all CrossFitters. I did go to CrossFit yesterday, and I'm going to go again today. Actually, it was actually the first time in a, over a year I've been back to CrossFit, okay? and I did not post about it. So, but and that's one of those cliche jokes that I still think is funny. It's kind of like farting. I still think farting's funny. When I go back to this trainer who will remain nameless, one of the more shy individuals I've ever met in my life. In fact, he got really mad at his girlfriend, my wife's friend, because she convinced him to come to this restaurant one time saying, hey, no one's going to be there. It'll be fine. Small group. Because again, he's very shy. And unfortunately, Sam showed up and I tend to be that guy, you know, whether it's a group talk or, you know, whether it's leading with power, this luncheon, you know, I'm going to be the guy to interact with the speaker every time. Or the group setting, like, you know, I'm there, you know, I get it from my dad. And so I asked him across the table right away. I said, Hey, this sounds like a great opportunity or right now seems like a great opportunity for so-and-so to introduce us to her boyfriend. So I shined the light on him (laughs) after the only reason he was able to show up was his girlfriend saying it's going to be small. Okay. So he's also a CrossFit trainer. I saw him at his church last night. He was a different person. He was yelling at me. He made me do five of the wad because it was my penance for embarrassing him at that restaurant. Okay. But he was a totally different person. He was yelling at me. He was engaged. He ran his mass or his service or his workout 10 10 out of 10. I had a great experience and that's why I'm going back today. So I bet you that's the same case with you and talking about business. And I think all of us need to go find our church wherever it is because church if you think church is a building then i would reconsider that thought because church is a group of people 
I think church is an energy. I think church is not a building. Yeah, far beyond that. Yes, and- it's where you feel. It's it's where it's when you're somewhere where you just feel like you should be talking with who you think you should be talking to about what you think you should be talking about. Right, Sam. Yep. To that point, you've obviously you mentioned yeah things you're talking about and things you're passionate about and things you want yep. to get into. Yep. Knowing the financial advising side of it. Yep. Let's go back there. Eventually. <laughs> knowing that it ended and then you started these different businesses or got involved with different businesses, I want to go through that. So transitioning from the financial advising to what was next then for you and how did you even decide what was the next move in your career? Good question. So what you're asking is, because we we went down the path of successful financial advisor. Like I'll often go in branches you know, deep into branches and go into multiple. And then I need to go back to the Oak. Okay. Which is hard to do sometimes when you're me. But so I, I went all into financial advising and I guess what? I became successful at it. And it's because I focused on the right thing, which was myself, not the products myself. I wanted, I was the sale every time to the individual because by the, after they bought me, I pretty much figured out right away that 80% of them, 80% of them, people, clients, potential clients, once they bought me, I found that most just wanted to let the expert do what the expert did. Kind of like with you, Justin, once you sell you to somebody, then I'll come to your podcast. Then I'll let you work me out. Then I'll pay attention to your articles after you get me to sell you. So I became a better product by focusing on me. And then I did well. In fact, uh, and I don't say this to brag because I'm actually, if you wait till the second half of the story here. I'll make myself up for this. But I won every award there was to win. I won intern of the year twice, you know, up on stage, up on this pedestal. I won new rep of the year. I became the only converting intern. So that means in your first year after college, because sometimes people become a financial advisor when they're 35. I was becoming a financial advisor talking to people about their life savings and stuff when I was 22, 23. So I became the only person that's ever hit this certain metric as a converting intern inside of a network office. Say there's like 40 network offices or agencies in the country. And Northwestern's like the 150th largest company or something like that in America. Only one to ever hit this metric inside of one of the best of network offices in the company, 150-year-old company. So all of a sudden, I started to get you know put up on this pedestal. Literally would be like, hey, Sam, come be on this podcast. Or hey, Sam, come speak to our our, our, our young people are saying, come speak to our interns or, or people walking into my office and asking me for help. And some good from that and some bad from that came. The bad from it, the bad that came from that is I, I got put up on a pedestal f- literally and figuratively. My ego did too. It made deposits into my ego when I would get asked to speak. It used to make deposits into my ego getting asked to be on your podcast. And this is all, I'm not saying this, I've always been like this. I'm in a season of revelation right now where I'm learning a lot. So when I can talk confidently about it, it's actually just because of how recent it is. Because how many of us are led by a leader who's very successful in that organization and has been successful for 20 years? And you think, man, this person doesn't get me. They sound like they're talking about how to do it when they figured out how to do it 20 years ago, right? There's so many people that feel like that. So the reason I can speak confidently about a lot of this is because I've just learned it's fresh. So all that stuff went to my ego. I was trying to get clients. I was trying to get cash. I was trying to get money. I was trying to get bread. I was trying, you know, I started a side hustle out of that people, you know, that same egotistical thing that I'm explaining also had some benefit too. 
Okay. So look at this. The same thing can have a good thing and a bad thing. If politics understood this, I think there'd be a lot less bullshit there about how a Republican can have a good point and a bad point, and so can the Democrat. But this ego thing had some good elements to it too. I figured out that I got a high off of speaking to people. I got a high off of diving into the trenches with somebody and helping them figure out their problem. And over time, I figured out slowly, painfully, that that high was better than when I sold something. Right. Okay. So I listened a little bit, just haphazardly. Okay. I kind of half-assed my listen here and said, okay, I'm going to do a side hustle and I'm going to coach. Okay. So I really felt strongly about that and strong enough where I actually left Northwestern Mutual to do it. Okay. So I left companies to go be a financial advisor at m and Catalyst Group. Okay. That was a gift too. So it was so hard to leave Northwestern because the types of people Northwestern Mutual tracks is unreal. I mean, some of the best people I think I'll ever meet in my life will have their entire career there. Some of my best friends, I think a guy's you know, if they listen for 35 minutes, you're like Jimmy and Manny. I met my coach, Jordan Montgomery there. Uh, my sister is at Northwestern Mutual. Uh, I recruited, uh, I, I introduced her there out in Denver, Colorado. The majority of my clients, a lot of my clients, a lot of my coaching clients are at Northwestern. So I'm so thankful for that organization, but my desires and my needs outgrew it. And sadly, because of just stuff that I did, and I think I did it out of insecurity really, but at the same time, I also, I think, was misunderstood. Oh, actually, I know I was misunderstood because Tim Ferriss and his podcast and his platform gets misunderstood. Of course, Sam Simonis does too. I felt misunderstood, which kind of offended me. And so I made some bad decisions uh, on the way out that I really wish I could redo. So I went over to ME Catalyst Group, and that was an amazing thing too. The people I've met, Marty and Sahan, which make up the M and the E. So M stands for Marty McAlpine. Okay. E stands for Sahan Elm Talab. Okay. Marty McAlpine, I'm saying this out loud, and Marty's going to actually listen to this podcast because I, I got him into podcasts and he's old. So he's 54 year old guy. So 54 year old dudes, not many of them, not enough of them, I should say, know what podcasts are, right? Um, excuse younger demographic wise. Yeah. Yeah. You know that. Don't you wish more 54 year olds? So Marty, Marty evolved, 40, I think. Marty evolved. So he's already committed to being my lead off speaker on an event that I'm going to do in, in lacrosse in the fall. And I met him. He's the M. Okay. Marty McAlpine. Most, one of the most unreal individuals I've ever met. His story is insane. Financial advisor, alcoholic, drug addict, drug dealer, you know, the amount of debt the guy's gone, gotten out of. He's in the two comma club today uh, on, on income. And he's the most incredible individual you'll ever talk to. I talk to him every other Monday at 10 o'clock, 1030. I miss it sometimes because I forget. I'm, I'm the worst schedule guy ever. I was paranoid I was going to miss this. Yeah, you made it. I made time it. Too. What up? Uh, but I, I talked to him on his way to AA. Okay. Okay. He's on his way to Alcoholics Anonymous. Because even with all that he's won, he never lets himself off the hook. He always, he keeps going. He goes to AA, I think three times a week. So I got to meet Marty McAlpine. I got to meet Sahan Elmtab, who is the smartest individual that I've ever been in the same room as, or probably the same phone call as. Um, so what a gift, right? I, I moved over to m and &E Catalyst Group largely to start my coaching business. That was, that was like, I, I wanted better technology. 
I wanted to go independent and not be in a captive environment so that I could have more options for my clients. And, you know, I, I could probably do, maybe I'll, I'll be asked at some point to do like a financial advisor podcast because I have some strong opinions about that industry. But I did all this and I met some amazing people. And I also had my first business fail because 2018, I've like financial advising, it kind of imploded on me. How so? What happened with it? The real answer is my focus left. And okay. your focus, uh, which I struggle with, okay, and I'm diagnosed ADHD, okay, which I believe in because I think there's some like how our brains work and stuff. Like I think, you know, bipolar and all the stuff we call mental health, you know, I think I'm pretty sure I'm not a doctor, but I think has like scientific and like the way our brains work, you know, I think we can be more likely to get it. But I also think all that stuff can be a crutch too. If you make it a crutch, yeah. And, and, and we do. And I know this. I'm pretty sure I know this. A tenant of mine, I also do own a real estate company as well, Legends Living, named after my dad, who's my business partner. So dream come true. I'm in business with my dad. This tenant who is four or five months behind on rent, the turbo, thinks I have two heads because we have not evicted him. Um, and... <laughs> I mean, he, he was about to get emergency funding from Viterbo. All he needed to do was e-sign a form and he didn't do it. And really? he's 19 years old in a town that he's not from. The first Merry Christmas I got on Christmas, like text message, I'm pretty sure before my wife even said Merry Christmas because she wakes up before me, so I was upstairs, was from his mom. Okay, The same mom who has told me he's on his own. He's on his own. We pay, you know, we got him out of the rent debacle the first time. We're not doing it again. That that same mom has also mentioned to me that this individual was diagnosed with bipolar at eight. Eight years old. Jeez. How you diagnose with someone at bipolar at eight years old, I have no freaking clue. But this individual is clearly capable enough, you know, most of the time to get accepted into college, to live on his own, to graduate high school, all that. Okay. And he's selectively effective. However, he's been selecting to not be effective when it comes to communicating with his landlord, paying rent, and just kind of basic human you know, stuff, right? Survival. Right. That, like some triggering mechanism should be triggering, I think. Something should. Oh, for sure. And it's not. Okay. So he doesn't take his medication because it made him feel lifeless. Kind of like, I, I think a lot of people that you know, have maybe been prescribed Adderall before would say it makes me feel lifeless. So I quit taking it. So he's did that with his bipolar medication. Now I'm going to ask you, Justin, and put your psychologist hat on for a second. Does it sound like he's functioning properly? There's something off. Correct. For sure. Correct. Okay. So that is what I believe too. And that's why I haven't kicked him out because I don't think it's going to be on my tab to evict him at 19 and for him to either show up in Sacramento, California at my sister's former homeless park. She's a Molly's a PA now, but to show up in Sacramento, metaphorically speaking, or to show up somewhere with, you know, armed, you know what I mean? Um, it's not going to be on my tab. So when he's in my office on Tuesday, on Tuesday, and I had, I, I had a conversation with him, like, what are we going to do to make this right? Um, what I saw was I saw, first and foremost, I saw that he knew that I could understand where he came from only after I shared with him how I had failed and screwed up. Only after I gave him examples of people that he would put on a pedestal and I could show him and tell him in specifics, 
So he believed me uh, of their failures. Then he looked at me with a different eye. He, looked, he said, okay, you understand, you get it. You've empathized with me. And then I think for the first time, or maybe one of the first times for him, young, this young, you know, young man, because I care enough about him, I'm going to hold him accountable. He needs to show up every Friday with certain things. And I told him the first time you don't show up and the first time you don't, the first time you lie to me, because he's lied like a million times, we're done. And I'm going to give him accountability. But at the same time, I'm also going to give him love. I'm going to ask, or I have asked, I can't remember if I have asked or not, my wife, Olivia, who helps you know, me, supports me in these businesses, I'm going to ask her to confirm with him on Thursday night. I'm going to make it as easy as possible to do it. But for the first time, this individual that's been diagnosed with bipolar since eight, I bet you he's had very little, if not anybody, ever hold him accountable. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that somebody that was diagnosed with like true mental health, like possibly the coach yelled at you, the star athlete and, and held you to a different standard than him. That's entirely possible. Yeah. And someone that their whole life has had it. Then people look at them differently. And especially if people don't have the understanding or the willingness to understand, then yeah, I would say so. Care enough to understand. How much care does it take to understand? Do you think? What do you mean? Like how much do I have to care about you? Where do you need to be? on my totem pole of like social hierarchy for me to care. I mean, to care, you just, I think you asked it reverse now, but you need a little bit of caring to understand just enough to like, as a human need, like, I don't think it's that much. One. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, and I agree. But at the same time, I do think it's intentional. Kind of like listening. Listening has been something I've been talking a lot about. And the old saying, Justin, which again, why you're going to become brilliant on your podcast and be, way more successful because of it. Kind of like the MBA effect, right? Where am I better because of the MBA? Am I making more money because of the MBA or the people I met in it? The people I hung out with during it, right? And it's an and, right? It's an and. But I think it is highly, highly likely that he's been treated different from the very beginning. I think that the hurdle has likely always been lowered for him. I think that people have always probably let him off the hook for good reason. And I think that has been a crutch for him too. Just like it was for me when, you know, I had stuff go to my ego or I thought I could take shortcuts because I was the star, you know, sales representative or whatever. You know what I mean? So to get back to our oak here, which I think is, you know, how did you get around to these different businesses? This coaching and consulting and speaking thing which is really my church. It's where I feel in the flow, quote unquote, which I never knew what it meant to get lost in your day. I could have a conversation with you. And if it is meaningful enough, Justin, I might come out of it and be wondering, is it Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday? Like that, I think when you're doing that is I think when you're doing what you should, quote unquote. Now, is there enough economic vitality in that is really the question. And I just believe in 2019 with the internet, the internet has created a marketplace to teach outside of school, right? Lewis Howes, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, the guys that are doing the internet really well are really just teaching on it. They're just using it as a platform to teach with online courses or whatever it is, right? And then they attract a bunch of eyeballs um, <laughs> that all of a sudden advertisers want. And then you make money that way, right? But you also make money on the course. So the internet's given us a platform to monetize teaching. And 
when what you're teaching has way more economic vitality to it than teaching third grade, you make more than 45,000, right? Because yeah. what Go-Giver taught me, and that was my, bo- my first book I read this year. So I, I finished it like six days ago. Okay, I'm going to read 20 books in 2019 and I'm on my second. I'm finishing my second, okay? Go-Giver taught me that my compensation has everything to do with the value that I give versus the value I get. And the more the gap is there, the more money I'll make. That's why Gary Vaynerchuk gives away so much. That was what his book was about, wasn't it? About jab, 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 jab. Those are all, that's all value, value, value. And then I write hook you to sell you something. Right. Right. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think people get that about drip marketing. I think they misunderstand it. I think there was a realtor once, one of my best friends. I actually think you might know this individual, um, but he, had, he, he just got into this new business and I'd asked him a couple questions. You know, I actually think I followed up to a lead magnet. Like it was a PDF of some free service that was obviously there to just get traffic either in text message or, you know, phone call form or internet, digital traffic, whatever it was. I can't remember. But I asked him a few questions. And then when I made a transaction inside of that space, and it was a large transaction, and I ended up going and and choosing for expertise over friendship, because I had the experienced individual help me, as opposed to my old, you know, childhood friend, Um, I valued, you know, my wife and my kids paycheck or wallet over his. And he got like long text angry. You know what I mean? Like, Long text message angry. Now he was new to this business. And what I told him is having been in this business, the service business, the people business, the relationship business for just, just a little bit, you know, the first few times you get told no is you're in the business. Right. And I said, if you expect to answer one or two questions in 2018, this is actually in 2017 and 2017 and get people's business, you're going to be in for a lot of heartache, my friend. Right. And ironically today, he is no longer in that position. Um, information is so readily available today that it wasn't... I mean, content marketing is how old, Justin. You know this business better than me. Content marketing, how long do you think it's been around? Like truly digitally, kind of like what you're doing and what a lot of people are doing in that space. But again, how long do you think blogs and traffic and podcasting and syndicated traffic generation, how long do you think that's been around? Yeah, it depends. But it depends what you really want to look at it as. But honestly, not that long. Not that long. Say a decade. You, can see, you know, not that long. You, like, cause podcast, you were early to podcasting five years ago. And there's right. still so much opportunity in podcasting as you and I both know. So if, if, if this idea that if, we, if I give away free information and I make it, I actually spend time, spend money making it because I spent time making it or I had a team that I paid money to make it and I'm actually paying money to give you free information, if that's only 10 years old, okay, the amount of information that's, been a, that, that's available in the last 10 years has grown by how much? A trillion fold? It's exponential. Stupidly, right? So people used to be able to sell products by providing information, brochure, you know, PDF, marketing flyer, commercial, right. website. Oh, it's my favorite. The website, okay? So the website that has a trillion different places to go everywhere is a digital brochure that used to be effective maybe as even you know five years ago. Today, what we know is that other things work better. Landing pages might work better. There's more information out there. So what do we need to do? How do we need to adjust? That question or just asking questions is what gives me a ton of energy and then trying to find the answer. And consulting and coaching or whatever the hell people want to call it, 
a lot of people think you're a guru because of it and you're not. You just need to ask the right questions and then give a lot of freaking effort to help find the answer and to care enough about the individual who's paying you because you like them enough to get in the trenches with them and care enough to find the answer. All you did was ask the right question. Okay. Um, So I, I believe that. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right, but that's kind of what I'm going for in 2019. Okay. And so many organizations out there that I see that I work with, okay, are selling. You know, we're always selling because we're selling whether we have a side hustle. We're selling whether it's our career. We're selling as an employee. If you're making 45000 in the accounting department at Reinhardt Foods, downtown La Crosse, you need to sell your way to get promoted. You need to sell your way on Tinder to find who you really want. You need to have an avatar and, and deploy a marketing strategy based on who your target audience is to get them. That's what selling is. So we're always selling all the time. And specifically in sales, when it comes to like making money, there's so many people and organizations selling like it's 1999. Let me provide you information. Here's what people want, I think, in 2019 is they want value. They want wisdom. They, they want actually less information. They, they want, get me to where I, I want to get to. Help me get to where I want to get to. So, yeah, it is. And it is about less information, but it's also about curating the right yep. information and making it just you know, digestible and also making it so they can go step by step. Because that's, that's what you're doing as a coach. That's what you're doing. Even like for my website stuff, it's like, why is there so much free content out there on anyone? If you look at Pat Flynn or if you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, yep. whoever, and, but then people still pay for their, their paid stuff is because the paid stuff is the step by step. The paid stuff is the curated, yep. whatever. The coaching is specific to your situation. Right. Not everyone else. Exactly. And that's how it works. Right. Inside of even a small business, inside of a big business, the worst are the big businesses actually. Because when I'm a solopreneur or whatever, and I decide I want to change my mind on something, I do it right then. At Northwestern Mutual, at Mass Mutual, at Fidelity, at Apple, they decide they want to change and there's so much complexity to it. In small business, in the side hustle universe that you're trying to build here, that's where your opportunity is, Mr. Side Hustle. You can change so fast. The big players with the big budgets can't. Yeah, that's how startups work. That's how any small business or... That's the, that's the level playing field. So whatever. That's how we level the playing field. That's the only way we level the playing field. Because if business was only by, based on budget and success was just based on budget, the small business would have no chance. Uh, but the problem is... is People ask the wrong questions, thus they get the wrong answers. I, I had a friend who, he had an app idea like everybody else does. <laughs> How many app ideas exist inside of MBA school? I, don't, I can't even imagine. Um, but we all have app ideas. And he has an app idea that I actually think is good. I, I really, really do. I think that if he poured his heart, soul, energy into this app idea, I think if he got smart people to surround himself, I think if he got good marketing people and he got a connector to introduce him to a few you know, good people. I think if he did it the right way, I think that this app idea based on, you know, just my opinion, I think he could make, you know, six figures. I think he could legitimately make $100,000, if not 75, 50, 30. Now I asked him this question. I said, if you made a thousand bucks, I asked him this earlier today. I said, if you made a thousand bucks from this app idea, how are you feeling? What do you think he said? If you made a thousand bucks from it? A thousand bucks a month. It was a month. It's a monthly subscription, you know, SaaS model. Uh, that's, a, that's a hard question to answer, Sam. It depends on yes, who he is. Yes, guess for me. Have some fun with me. 
Play with me. Sandbox it. I would say he wouldn't be happy. He, he, he did say he would be. Okay. And I kind of knew that contextually because I know, right? So I set you up for a bad question. I apologize. That's, that's why. That, that's exactly I apologize. It. So bad questions get bad answers, right? Me asking you that question is no, a bad no, question. If he, if he hadn't made anything, anything before, if he had never made anything from any type of project before, I'd say making any money from a project is a tremendously great thing. And he would. Be and you and I both know that. that. You and I both know that because we know that the process is where actually all the money's made with all the things you learn you'll use later. Um, now, he hasn't done the personal development that you have, right? And so he threw away this app idea. Literally threw it away because of this. Somebody told him that it costs over $100,000 to build a mobile app. Now, you and I both know that that is so far from truth, okay? Because we know what Fiverr.com is, and we know what Upwork is, and we know, you know that you could go pitch it and get someone to partner with you on it or something, right? So then I asked him, I said, okay, interesting. I used to go try to correct people right away and say, let me tell you all I know. Don't you know about Fiverr? Don't you know about blah, 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 blah. But I don't think, I think people implement when it's their own idea. So I, you know, said, okay, that's interesting. Who told you that? Because I might not know something. Who told you that? Out of curiosity. And he said, oh, my, my friend. And then he kept going on. Uh, and I said, oh, wait, wait, who, which friend? Maybe I know him. And he said, oh, no, no, you don't know him. And I said, oh, gotcha. Well, what's he do? And he's, I don't, he's in technology or something. Now, Justin, you know, and some people listening know, and I know that there's so many different types of technology. My friend is not in technology. It's actually why he has the good app idea because he's outside of tech, right? He has the app idea for what he enjoys doing. So I, I'm digging deeper, right? Because that's what a good coach does is they care enough to dig deeper and keep asking. So I kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. And what we ended up realizing, what he ended up realizing is that he doesn't even know what his friend does. Well, I said, you know, the only reason I ask that, you know, friend Sam's is because my uncle Tom is the chief information officer for the Department of Corrections in the state of Wisconsin, which is a pretty high ranking position in the field of technology. Uh, chief information officer, okay. He knows nothing about mobile apps or building them or selling them or marketing. Or, or he would be the, you know, not a good person to ask about this despite his high arching position in technology. And you and I both know that, but he doesn't know that. So my question for you, you know, friend of Sam's is, I wonder if you maybe just asked the wrong person the question. And again, I'm making a point here, uh, but I'm inside this conversation, hopefully helping my friend do it. Because I used to just vomit the answer all, all to him, but I just found that people weren't implementing good ideas. Because naturally, I think we are all attached to our own. And another tactic I'll do, and anybody that leads other people you know, a sales manager, or if you have employees, or even if you're in a relationship with your spouse, and you're going to give some tough feedback, constructive feedback, I think this is a little trick that I just have tried a few times and it's worked. So I'll probably keep trying it. But if I give you some constructive feedback, Justin, on something that mattered to you, okay, say your podcast, uh, and I gave you constructive feedback, even if I was right, my hunch is that your natural instinct would be to defend what you're already doing irrespective of how good my idea was. So a little hack to get around that would be if I gave you this idea and I said, hey, Justin, it's 2.04 right now and I've got a meeting starting at 2 that I'm four minutes late for, but I, I really care enough and we're talking about this. That, can I just share this with you? And then can I call you back later? Can you call me back later and, and, and you can, we can debrief about it? 
And he's, you know, people say, yeah. And so then you just give them this fire burning blaze of truth and say, I know you want to respond because in, in their brain, all they want to say is they want to defend their position, but I don't let them because I got I'm four minutes late for a meeting. I'm so sorry. I really want to get into this. If you tried that, I've just tried it a few times. And then you call the person back later, like five hours later and say, Hey, hey, hey super sorry about that. W- what have you been thinking about as it relates to what I left you with? Sorry about the cliffhanger, but like, and you get, you know, you're right. But if I would have let them talk five hours before, they would have defended their position. So, yeah, I think giving a time is much more likely that they're not going right. to. And where this is hard is with yeah. like spouses because you live in the same house as them. But in business, I think I know I could do a better job of giving people space to actually come up with their own way of thinking of something and receiving something. And when I think when we give that space, again, I'm talking to people that lead others. I'm talking to people that are in charge of others. I'm talking to people that are in relationships. I think that when we give space, I think we're also giving them confidence. I'm saying that I trust you enough that I think you'll come up with a great conclusion that I don't need to give you. You know, I think from the very beginning, I just, I just left my old track coach's office. Uh, I was afraid I was going to miss this. I, I raced over here. And we were just rapping, man. We were just in church in there, right? And we were talking about the team. And I'm, I'm going to go talk to the team this evening, um, which I'm excited about. It's an alumni and their, their season's about to start. Sam, with all these different things you're working on, what I'm always interested in for the show and for the listeners and to make it as tangible for them, I'm interested in people who start businesses. How did they start them? You know, Why did they start them? What were some of the first problems. steps? And, and so let's dig into that with... Like the Legends Living, for example. Real estate. Why did you start that? Yeah. Come about? Legends Living. Real estate. Okay. We're talking about Legends Living. How did that start? Because it's one of the things I'm most proud of because it's business with my dad. I love real estate. I think it's interesting because it kind of feeds my analytical side and strategy side. I get so much gas off the deal and structuring the deal and trying to structure it on my terms, but also letting the other person win. That's, that's, that's what's exciting about real estate. What isn't exciting is the management. Yeah, that seems like the hardest part of it. <laughs> Why be a lot? They don't, don't do, do it because, because of the management. Of the, but here's what I would tell that person: because yeah. there's more millionaires created in real estate than any other asset class in the history of the world, actually. So here's what I would tell the person that has some interest in real estate, isn't sure how they can do it because they don't have any money and they think they need to put twenty percent down on everything. First of all, I would say start believing in yourself because I own a couple million dollars worth of real estate. And I'm 27 and far, I'm, I'm actually closer to broke than I am rich. Okay. So quit telling yourself head trash that you can't do it. And then go put in the work, which is the work is on biggerpockets.com. The work is finding a mentor and then yeah. do that for a year. And then while you're networking and while you're meeting people and while you're building relationships, keep your ears open, have the end in mind, which is I want to own real estate. And then if you did it like I did, because if you're asking about how the business start, which I think is what you're asking, right? The business yeah. started on the golf course with Nick Roush, who has become one of my best friends. I call him Uncle Nick. Uncle Nick and his dad, Donnie, who I also used to go to church with way back in the, the day, they were in my golf group. I'm talking to them because I'm outgoing, of course, right? And I'm telling them about this single family house that I own as a rental. Now, I spoke that into existence when I told my landlord back in college I was going to buy his house. Okay? So that started back in college. My real estate career started back in college. And then I bought one single family deal that I failed miserably on because I sucked at the management. Okay? 
So I sucked at the management, but I, and I sold the house. But while I still owned it, I told Nick and Donnie that on the golf course. All right, let's fast forward a year. They say to me, also on the golf course, hey, Sam, you looking for anything to buy? You know, we got a couple pieces we're looking to sell, eight units, right? Yeah. I had sold my single family, but I told them, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You know, why don't you send me the stuff? Okay. And I ended up getting together with Nick six months later. And we hit it off. I really liked Nick. I admired Nick. I, I was attracted to Nick because we're like-minded. One of my best friends. Long story short, that deal took a year to get done. And it started as one building, four units, and it ended at 21, 22 units, I'm sorry, and a couple million dollars worth of real estate, like I said, and a partnership with my dad, which is a dream come true to be in business with my dad. It really, really, really is. And it started somewhere completely different than where or it ended, I'm sorry, it ended somewhere completely different than where it started. Uh, but I learned a ton the year before I even started trying to get the deal while I was failing in the 10, you know, those single unit. And then I learned a ton in the year I was trying to get it done. So with that though, so what are some of those things, especially getting started, you mentioned not 20% down, you mentioned there's other things, but let's yep, get sorry. details then. What are some of those you know, tangible yeah, yeah. So, things? If so if you go Google, so does it get any more tangible than what do I Google? No, no. Okay, so Google, Google creative financing. Google, why would somebody not engage in creative financing? Google, like, like, and then once you Google the first one, sorry, let me start. So, so let's make this as practical as we can. So somebody could be writing on a checklist right now. All right, I'm going to Google real estate investing. I'm going to find bigger pockets. I'm going to read bigger. I'm going to click on bigger pockets. I'm going to follow them on Facebook. I'm going to follow them on Instagram. I'm going to notice they have a podcast. I'm going to put that on my subscribe. I'm going to listen to it while I'm driving instead of listening to Z93. And then I'm going to read a few of the interesting articles that get shared and curated on my Facebook newsfeed instead of whatever people do on Facebook. <laughs> I'm going to watch some of the videos you put out. Like I'm just going to pay attention. Because I did that, okay, next bullet point. Because I did all that, okay, bullet point. After I did all that, the next time I hear someone say something about real estate, I'm going to ask them a question. I'm going to listen to their answer. While they, while they answer my question, this is as practical as we get people. As I ask them my question, instead of me listening to the, or instead of me thinking of what I'm going to say next, I'm actually going to listen and I'm going to hear it. And I'm, I might just need one bullet point from this individual who was in real estate. And I only noticed that because I was listening for it. Right. And I'm going to go implement it and send him an email a week later and say, thank you for this nugget, the nugget you didn't know you shared with me. That will probably lead to him being, you know, at least me catching his attention. And then I'm going to ask him to coffee and ask him to teach me more. And I'm going to ask better questions. I'm going to be interested and curious. I'm going to go implement, which is going to increase his confidence in me. I have a mentor now. I have a website, bigger pockets. I have a podcast. I have a mentor. I'm pretty equipped. Um, and now I'm looking for deals. Because your next question is, well, how do you know how to evaluate deals? My mentor in bigger pockets already taught me that. If I did the work, which is watch the YouTube video. And to that point, though, then what are some of the yeah, things, things like you know, that? I always so, so, so I think I think you need in real estate specifically. I think you need to know enough of the technical stuff, like what a cap rate is, what a going cap rate is in your area, uh, what a going cap rate is for that piece of real estate asset class, because there's different, you know, trailer parks and Airbnbs and commercial and residential real estate and college and single family and multifamily and four unit and 12 unit and amenity rich and non-amenity rich are all cap rated differently. It's all cap rated differently. Well, cap rate is different yeah. than mo monthly multiplier. Oftentimes we think that rental real estate is monthly rent times a hundred or whatever. Maybe, 
Well, guess what? My, me and my deal, Nick and I, we never talked about monthly multiplier because I asked a question at the very beginning. I said, hey, Nick, I'm just out of curiosity for me to learn. Which is your philosophy? Because there's some people that go monthly multiplier and some people that do cap rate, which is yours. And since he said cap rate, why would I bring up monthly multiplier ever? I need to speak his language. I'm coming to him. So it's all of that stuff. You do need to know it in real estate. But what else do you need to know in real estate? Is it is that okay if I go down that route? How to sure. sell? Go for it. Yep. Do you need to know that in every other business? I, I, I went on a rant. Yep. We, we ranted on that already. Okay, perfect. So you need to know to sell because you, you probably, I needed to go sell to get a partner first because I had no money. Okay. So I need to go sell a partner on my vision. I needed to have a vision. I needed to know my own vision. I needed to sell myself on my own vision. I needed to sell my wife on my vision. And instead of convincing her to do it, I think I did an okay job at like giving her investment and giving her things inside of it where she actually takes some ownership of it. So she sits next to me as opposed to across from me. That's key if you want to do real estate as a side hustle. That's key for any side hustle. Because if you're going to do your eight to five and then come home and do your side hustle, that's cool and all. And that's, I'm all for that until you get married and have kids and you eight to five, assuming you don't work next to your wife or your husband, that individual, if they love you, which I'm assuming they do because they married you, want some of you when you come home. Okay. So this is my problem a little bit with side hustles as we graduate through life and get into family and kids is I'm not sure, like I've tried the work all night thing with all my various, you know, side hustles here and, you know, attempts, because I've got attempts that aren't on my LinkedIn that I failed. Actually, I got attempts on LinkedIn that failed that I still owe people money from. Honestly, I'm in a season of learn right now, which again means that I'm in a season of fail. Uh, there's going to be people listening to this podcast that are going to be jealous of me that I'm on it because I was jealous of other people that were on podcasts. I was jealous of other people on stages when they were speaking. I was jealous of Gary Vaynerchuk. I was jealous of Andy Frisilla. I'd be jealous of you because you have a podcast. I'd be jealous of all these people. And I'd spend all this energy being jealous without recognizing that the only reason they have a platform to educate is because they went through the school of hard knocks and they got fucking punched in the mouth. So before we be right. jealous, understand what it takes to get to a teaching platform. Because to become a doctor, it's obvious what it takes. And most of us say no. We bitch that we only make 50 grand. We bitch we only make 50 grand and the doctor makes 350. We do that, but we don't take ownership and say, I wasn't willing to do what it took. All the way from high school, actually, so that you can get into the right college. Oh my God, yeah. So that's what I'm saying to people with side hustles. That's what I'm saying about real estate. You know, that's why it's called passive income. It's not. The, The hourly rate, I was saying this to Uncle Nick, of course, the hourly rate on owning rental real estate any kind of real estate, I'm sorry, commercial real estate, doesn't matter, before you own it is awful. It's pro bono work because you might not even close the deal, but you have to do it. The hourly rate while you own real estate is phenomenal. That's why people refer to it as passive income, especially if you go do the work before you're getting paid while you're doing it pro bono, especially if you do the the work while you're not getting paid to learn about things like Google Voice. Dude, Google Voice is free. Do you know about Google Voice? I'm sure you do, right? Dude, I blow landlords' minds, even landlords that are 38, when I suggest Google Voice. It's free. And it, it separates your personal message inbox and phone, missed phone calls from your tenants. 
That's a no brainer. You got to go do the work though and, and think about it and hear and ask somebody else what they do to hear their answer. And not hear, I'm sorry. This is something I need to get better at. Hearing and listening are two different things. It's two different things. I've heard many a person. I think I'm just starting to know how to listen. And that's including myself. And again, it sounds philosophical, but it's, it's the intuition. And I think the voice I've silenced is fear. True, honestly, truly. So we're on real estate right now because it's still written in front of me. But the, I'm, I'm hopefully answering a question. What does the person need to do? I go from practical to philosophical easily and I can confuse people. What people need to do to own real estate or anything else is do the work. The work first is schooling and mentoring, finding the mentor, learning how to sell yourself, going and selling yourself, getting the mentor, listening to the mentor, learning how to listen, then listening to the mentor, right? And then go out and try to get a deal. And your first one might be like my first one, which was a single family that I owned for 10 months. I treated it like a hobby instead of a business. I wish I could asterisk that for the side hustlers of the world. I treated it like a hobby and not a business and it went shitty. In fact, one month, my tenants rounded up and texted me and said, we're not paying rent until you come fix this door. And I was scared. I said, oh my God, honey, they're, they're like revolting. And she said, they signed a lease that had a late fee in it. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. So I texted him back and say, hey, you, you guys, you can't do that. <laughs> you have this, you know, I'm going to, so, but my point is I was a shitty landlord because I treated it like a hobby on one unit in five bedrooms, 75 bedrooms in 22 units. And I treat it like a business and it goes way better. Go figure, go figure. Yeah. You mentioned a mentor, but the, what are they providing for you at least? What are some of the questions they've answered? What are some of the things that have been beneficial from that? Because you can say that- People don't take it seriously. I've had the experience of- Yeah. Like what, so there's going to be some listeners that are in a seasonal life where they're looking for a mentor and they're going to they're gonna be like, hey man, you know, I cannot, you know, tell, Sam, tell me how to find one. There's going to be also listeners that are not in a seasonal life where they're ready for a mentor and now they're bored. For those people, I apologize. But nobody does anything by themselves. I don't care if you're Tiger Woods or- you know, I'm sure Bill Gates has some personal coach. So the highest paid coach in the world, you know, highest paid mentor. So a mentor is basically a free coach. Can we agree with that? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about what coaching is and we can call it mentoring. Mentoring is free coaching you pay for after you graduate college, let's say. So the highest paid coach in the world, the business coaching in the, in the business world, and uh, his name escapes me at the moment. I'll get it to you after the show so you can put it in the show notes because this guy is literally like the most in-demand executive coach, thousands and thousands of dollars an hour. And if you go look at what his coaching is, it's the simplest thing ever. He literally asks simple questions from very complex people and he expects answers. So with mentorship, it can be so many different things. From Nick in real estate, which is my mentor there, from Jordan, who's actually my coach, um, and I don't, I don't care what you call Jordan. You can call him my business coach. You can call him my life coach. Uh, you can call him my best, one of my best friends. You can call him, just call him one of the most important people in my life um, that I pay. Um, and you know, he's, he is one of my main mentors today. You know, Mike Brown, though, I mentioned earlier, that dude, for no money, for free, spent an hour with me while he was the development director for a large organization. He never made a dollar off me and he spent an hour with me every single week from when I was a college intern to two years full-time. I owe so much to that guy. It's unbelievable. And you know what he told me? He said, here's how you pay me is you give it away. And I probably, the last few years, when I think about some of my business failures and I think about what other people can learn while they listen to this, I think about how I probably didn't listen to Mike 
close enough and I probably haven't given enough away for free. That's probably why I have not received like I thought I should or was going to or wish I would have. So the season I'm in is is season of give and I think that will turn quickly into the season of receive. So with mentorship, sometimes it's technical, sometimes it's inspirational, sometimes with Uncle Nick, it's cap rate and it's math and it's science and it's like blueprints, how to code. Nick doesn't know how to code, but whatever it is in your church, right? What would it be? In yours, it might be right. programming a fitness plan from coach you know, Phil, right? Or your strength coach or whatever. Technical. Other times it might be inspirational or maybe even... So motivation and inspiration are different, right? It might be motivational. You need to get your ass up on that day and do it. That football game that day and do it. Or it might be inspirational, something that needs to last six months or 60 years. So I think it's different on the day. But the saying is the teacher appears when the student's ready. So with mentoring or coaching, that's it. On the day you need the technical, you hopefully will get that and vice versa. With your businesses, I know you, you mentioned the real estate. What else is there? Is the coaching side? Yeah, so, so that's definitely my main line of work today is, 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 is consulting, main line, is uh, coaching. So who's hiring Sam is coaching. Again, I, I'm, I'm branding them different. Okay, this business is so new, Justin, because like, it went side hustle to full time. That's what happened. It was my church. It is my church. So yeah. it went from $200 a month in one client to being able to support my lifestyle today. Oh, it, that happened in about three or four months, which is, I'm just, you know, God is good and I'm blessed for that. So like, you're gonna, Off yeah. coaching. Okay. Um, yep. So like that is, I think if you, if you find something that you're obsessed with and you forget what day of the week it is, and if you find something that you love that much, you're probably good at it. And if you think enough about it for as long as I guess I have, um, or if you failed enough as I have and you stumble into it like I did, it's probably a sign that's where you're supposed to be. So that's really where I'm branding myself today as, as consulting or coaching. Again, I think consulting and coaching are different because I have consulting clients that I'm willing to do things for that I wouldn't do for coaching clients. Now, today, they pay me the same amount um, and that will change shortly. Like I don't even have a freaking website. That's how new this thing is. That is really my main business today. Again, real estate, my dad, a lot of that is just streamlined. Um, yes, I still have my tenant come in on Tuesday and I talk to him. Yes, I do showings. And man, I'm charming with freshman girls looking for their first out, you know, off-campus place, which is great. But it, it, coaching consulting is, is the main thing. And speaking. I think speaking is probably where I'll walk into more. I've only just decided in my head that I'm worth listening to as of like a couple of days ago. So. Um, so what I'm going to do is exactly what I've always should have done in business. What we should always do in business. If I want to speak and get paid to speak, what do you think I should do, Justin? Do it. Practice. Practice. Do it. I mean, if you want to do right. it, so just, just, do it. just, just grind, right? Uh, so just grinding and speaking and coaching means giving it away for free. It means joining Toastmasters, which is a public speaking club. Uh, it means watching YouTube videos of great speakers. It means listening to guys like, you know, Lewis Houses podcast. It means, um, having a really good coach. It means having been coached really well, like I have at times. It means all that. So speaking, I'm speaking to the UWL track team tonight. I cannot wait for the message I'm going to give them. Oh my God, I cannot wait. But how much money am I making? Zero. It's taking me away from my family on Friday evening, which is my favorite evening. But I love it and I'm going to give it away for free today so I can get paid in the future for it. Yeah. 
Can I tell you? Can I tell you one thing? Just about because you're an athlete, so you understand this. UWL track, which is, as you know, but your your listeners won't out at USC know that UWL track and field is the best track and field program in Division Three. We've had Olympians. The the record board at UWL is ridiculous. Um, And I'm speaking to them today, like I said, and they did they they did me a favor last spring and at outdoor nationals when they only scored four points. And so the message that is going to be received this evening from the UWL track and field, because I care enough to have done my homework and to think deeply about it and to, t- you know, I ask coaches for permission before I'm going to do something like this, but I'm going to call them out for some things and I can't wait to do it because that's where growth is. It's in the things we don't want to talk about. So inside of coaching, what do, I, I think a question that I get from a lot of people is, what do you coach about? Well, why do people pay you money? I don't get it, Sam. You know, sure, you're funny and can tell a good story, but like, why do people pay you money? And I think people pay me money because all I try to do most of the time is just change the way people think. Because the thing I know is they're paying me money because they want something different than they already have. Is that fair? That's probably fair. Right. But what I believe is that what they need is already inside of them. So my job, if those two things are true, is to help them rearrange what they already own inside of them and maybe adding a little here or there with a tactic or a piece of language or a sales, you know, you know, language, this thing or here or this tech or this app or whatever helps for them to see something different, but it's all about rearranging shit they already got. So that's what I think I'm, I think I'm good at it, like two or three things. And one of them is I can almost guarantee that I think different than you, not in good or bad. Don't assign good or bad to that. Cause you, you're so much better in health and fitness. And I bet you wake up earlier than me. I bet you, re- how many books did you read last year? Uh, yes, I read three. <laughs> okay, so why, why when I set my goal at 20? Well, my f- first coaching client, he read 26 books last year after never reading. And he did 47 new clients in the second half of the year when Northwestern Mutual gives a new client bonus if you do 42. And reading changed his life. Crazy. And I'm a hypocrite because I told him, I, I, I suggested that reading might help. And then he took that and he, owned, he took ownership of that, read 26 books, did 47 new clients in the second half of the year. Was it Sam? Was it Sam that did? No, 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 no. He chose to go do the work. And then Tim Ferriss or whoever, whatever book he's reading, Darren Hardy was the one that was with him in the meetings when he was really effective, not me. Coaching is about teaching people to fish. And where my biggest opportunity in it actually, Justin, is, to, if I'm going to be reflective, and my biggest opportunity is helping people fish more as opposed to telling them the answer. You know, I have, a, I have a problem I'll interrupt people and I'll talk too much, which is hard to believe. Not, but... Very. Not hard to believe. <laughs> it's an opportunity. Yeah. With the coaching side of things, what... I mean, there's no formal background nope. in terms of training and everything for you. What's been helpful in terms of resources, in terms of helping you be a better coach then? Have you ever... So curiosity... What, what, how would you define curiosity, Justin? Or like, what does curiosity mean to you? If I were to be the podcast host for one sec here and put you on the pedestal, because you interview all these people that I looked at your guest list, you got some legit ass people much more successful than me on this freaking thing. Curiosity, give me, let me be the host for a second. Tell me what it means to you. I think it's a genuine, genuine interest in how things work, why people do things, why things are done about everything in the world. On a scale of one to 10, in your opinion, knowing all that you've read and all the people you've you know, been curious around on a scale of one to 10, how important is curiosity 
if it's not 10, it's really close yeah. to it, I would say. So in my universe, which doesn't make yeah. it yours or right or wrong, it's 12. I think genuine curiosity is the core of connection. Okay, I think there's like a few things that either someone taught me or I picked up along the way or God put into me or somebody. One of those things was curiosity. Say this was a sales meeting, okay? Because that's what most businesses want is just to be able to be more effective, to stay in business because 95% fail. Most fail because they don't have enough customers, aren't making enough money. If we just continue to use sales, i.e. staying in business, and you wanted to win a relationship or be effective with a relationship, you know, say with a CEO at a key bank or something, and you went and you were genuinely curious about how that person has gotten to the place they've gotten to. You were genuinely curious about what drives that person. You were genuinely curious about how that person was doing that day. What do you think is going to happen? Well, you're going to learn and you're going to get better. And that other person is going to like you. And when people like, trust, and you know, know, like, and trust you, that is when they do business with you. Um, so with no, ex- I don't need any, I don't need a resume to be curious. In 2018, at least I don't. 2019, I don't, right? Because I can just, the, everything, I mean, the, the platforms that exist like this or whatever, Instagram, whatever, give me an opportunity to have a voice. So I use my biggest disadvantage, which is my age and my lack of, you know, the startup that I sold for 5 million. I really believe that I use that as my greatest weapon. I really, I really believe that. How, how yeah, or why? I think so. I think, yeah, well, how, well, how I guess, it, how, how, it, how? I guess okay. that applied that I would. Because I, I, I don't dance around it. I don't pretend it's not there. I just go right to that place. Okay. So say, say you were owning a company that I wanted to come in and do some work for. And however I did it, I got in front of you. Right. And the elephant in the room as you're Mr. Successful CEO, that makes a lot of money. And me, cause like maybe you'll link to social media or something. But when people look at me, I'm 125 pounds and I can't grow any facial hair. I look like I'm 19. My, my kids age me only because it's surprising I have kids, much less I'm married, okay? So I, gotta, I, I don't look old, okay? So the elephant in the room is, Sam, what the fuck do you know? And who the fuck are you, honestly? Okay, so if I beat you to that question, I win. Well, it's Eminem. Yes. Now. Exactly. Yes, that's it, dude. <laughs> like, I, if I beat you to that question, we laugh about it. But people who know me, who really know me, they, they know that I say the exact same thing to you on this podcast as I do to them when we're playing NHL, as I do to the CEO of the bank. As I do, I think I do, I want to do, I hope to do, I pray to do to the homeless guy. Go giver. You're going to read that book, aren't you? Will, will you? Okay. <laughs> possibly. The only reason I say possibly is when you look at it's my, a, you got a queue. me, it's a matter of how many oh my God. are in the queue. In right three now? years, will yeah. you read that book? So someone suggested to me, and I'm like, yeah, that's much better. Right, better right. Maybe someone, maybe <laughs> people will listen to this and be like, dude, that dude's right. You should listen to that. Um, but go, go giver. It, it just completely revolutionized how I think about doing business. And one of those things, I think it said it in this book, is that the power that a great speaker has over an audience. You know what I'm talking about? Like you've experienced that. Is there a word for that? Yeah. Is there yeah. a word for that power? You're saying. 
I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah. So the, the word the book yeah. gave about that power, because like, it was telling a story. It's a fable, right? And it was telling a story about this speaker that had all the power over the audience. And I, I felt that before, but I've never given it a name. And the book gave it a name. It, it called it authenticity. When you are authentic, people are attracted to you. You don't give them any power. I own, I take ownership for all the things that I've shortcome at first. I, I want to give you my attention because I'm curious. And if I have some things to give to you, I trust that you'll receive them in the same way that I'm okay receiving and learning from you. Like when I've asked you questions, even on our podcast, I genuinely think that you know more than me because you're 29 podcasts with people that are probably smarter than me. And you've read more books than me. No question about it. You're older than me. You're smarter than me. You know more. I, I really believe that. Like I'm open on a podcast. I know I'm the guest and you're the host and you're a good host because you, you put your guests on the platform. That's what a podcast host is, I think, supposed to do. Shout out to Steven Wessner um, and the, uh, from lacrosse. Uh, number one, he, he's, he sold the book, uh, or he wrote the book, Profitable Podcasting, which is very, very good. But you, you, you gave it yeah. to us, right? Like you were the one smart enough to know that it was the first decision to make that you had to start your podcast. You just had to take one step in front of the other. We used, me and my running friends used to call it, get your shoes on and just get out the door. Like life and effectiveness and business like, like I think it's all inside of simple. And the only reason I think that is because that's what Jordan Montgomery told me. And I love Jordan Montgomery. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ride with that. I think that's great. I think it doesn't have to be more complicated. No, complications a crutch for not doing. Have you always kind of, I mean, I know you mentioned, I guess you've always just been this way in terms of like doing and the propensity for action. No, 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 no. no. We talked about that earlier. earlier if you really, like, if we had, J, if we phoned Jamon, I think Jamon's speaking somewhere right now. Um, if we phoned him in right now, he'd, he, he would have said that all of 2018, okay, because I, I, I only look like this. People only see the iceberg, the iceberg effect. I only see the tip. I didn't see all the fails. You, have, you didn't get to see 12 months of watching the train go by. Dipping my toe in the water, of course. I think what I've always had the propensity to do is be curious and not like just be, I, I've always been a little defiant, which has gotten me in trouble a lot, arrested in high school. Um, it, it got me grounded a lot. Uh, I got, it, it, you know, it's made me hurt people, actually, um, people I love and some I don't. But I've always been defiant and curious. So I don't accept what is very well. And that has some benefits and some downsides to it. That's, it hasn't been action taking as much as it's been curiosity. So it's been action in my mind. And now finally, it's action in real life. Right. Yep. Finally that you're seeing to today. Point. Right. What's next for you? What do you work wow. on next? Where are you hoping to go? Yeah. 20 beyond. Well, I keep saying, I keep starting senses like, like my man Jamon says. So again, if people are listening that don't have a mentor, you get one to, yesterday because find somebody who believes in you enough to speak words into you. Okay. That's why I can continue to say, well, like Jamon says, right. Um, what makes Jordan so special to me and what I hope to do to other people is speak life into them, speak words into their strengths. From the time I was just saying this to coach Buck earlier today, from the time we're in third grade, we are taught to focus on what we suck at because when we showed mom and dad or the teacher, our report card, and it went a in math, b in reading, C in social studies and F in art, where's our biggest opportunity on that report card is the F in art. 
it, we need a tutor in art. We need to spend time in art. Hey, Sam, have you done your art homework? Hey, Sam, have you done your art homework? It isn't, hey, Sam, how can you go spend more time in math? Um, and so that is something that we need to relearn how to do. We need to relearn how to identify our strengths. I had a coaching client last week, okay? I asked him this question. I said, you know, coaching client, Bob, I will be, I'll probably be able to help you more if I'm able to speak words into your strengths and what you're good at. So you don't have to answer this now if it's not easy, but if it is, that'd be great. What are the top two or three things that make you special or that you're really good at? And his answer, Justin, which is sad, it really is. Let me get back to you on that. We, so like my, where I'm going is I'm not quite sure and that I'm, a, I'm more okay with that than I used to be because coming to conclusions slower is another one of my opportunities. But when I know the outcome I want, I just do not know the medium I'm going to do it through yet. Okay. Cause I, I, I'm on record saying I'm going to be a financial advisor my entire career. Just like I said earlier in this podcast, that little irony, you know, pun that it, it, I'm on record right. saying I'm going to be a financial advisor at Northwestern Mutual my whole career. I am on record of a lot of wrongs. So I'm trying to come to conclusions slower. So I don't know the channel or the, the like the, the, the medium that I'm, that, that, that this is going to come through via, but all that fans, my flame is speaking life into people, encouraging people, giving people ideas, like knocking people off their own thought process. Not because I think I'm right. Not because I need to win. Not because, you know, I'm smarter than anybody, but all I want, Justin, if I knocked you off your thought process in something, if you, if I do that and you choose to get back on to your own thought, at least you're choosing to get on there knowing all that you know today versus two years ago when you first adopted the thought. That is what I want to do. Now, I'll probably do that via speaking, coaching, consulting, small business. Um, I'm sure I'll continue to you know, solve some problems inside of my own life and then monetize them, uh, which is all entrepreneurship is, I think. But uh, right now, I'm just energized around just giving, giving lessons from how I fucked up, giving some lessons with some of the things I've done well. And that's what 2019 is about. So my goals, I'm going to say them publicly just so I'm more accountable. 20 books. I want to watch 200 sermons on YouTube, uh, which is kind of fun. You get to skip the greeting part of church okay. and get right to the best part. You know, Listen to music in the car. Uh, <laughs> I have an income goal, which has to do has the number two in it. And which I, I don't know, like, talking about money's taboo. You know, I, like if I share, it's 20 grand a month is my goal for, of reoccurring. I don't have to sell anything revenue. So 20 books, 200 sermons, okay. 20 grand a month, um, and then 200 workouts. And holy shit, 200 workouts is going to be hard because I probably worked out less than 20 times last year. Seriously. Really? That's a whole other thing. Fuck, for dude. Another podcast episode, Seriously. But... Because I could talk to a lot. I could, I've had ideas in the past for former athletes oh. who don't do fitness at all anymore. And Dude, I'm, we're on the 11th thing, of January but, and I've only done two workouts. That's the only goal I'm behind on. I've read two books. Why don't you just do it? Why if it were easy. No, no, no. But no, but make it easy. Why yeah. So here's, here's what's here. That's all right. Here's, lower, what, lower the here's the thought change that I keep forgetting about because it's not internalized yet. Okay. If I can change my way, the way I've thought about working out, anybody can change the way they think about anything. So I used to think about working out like this. I need to work out. I have to work out because it's good for me, because my coach told me to, because that person does, because I know it'll make me feel better, blah, 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 blah. I read that article, blah, blah, blah. 
So that's always been my thinking. And for four years since I've been a college athlete, it has not worked. Time for something new. So my thinking this year, and I still have not internalized it because I forget about it, is I am able to work out still. Because at some point, I likely will be unable to. So it is an obligation of mine because I'm still able to. And I also had a CrossFit gym owner friend of mine say this to me two nights ago. I was like, all right, Kevin, give me a nugget that will help me work out more because I'm doing 200 this year. Okay, so listen to this. Just go fitness, right? CEO, founder, Justin, listen to what Kevin had to say to me and tell me if you agree. He said, you know, Sam, the thing about people that work out at home is many of them. Now, don't, now listen, he didn't say all of them because my wife is really good at working out at home. But she said, he said, a lot of people that work out at home look exactly like they work out at home. And I said, man, amen to that, brother. And the next day I showed up to CrossFit uh, and that was yesterday. And I brought my workout clothes to work today. Let's do it. Boom. <laughs> everyone's different. I'll put everyone, everyone's different, but if you can lower the barrier of entry and find it's just doing, I'd say just that doing. Be, that's the ultimate. I'm working with many different clients. I was just say doing that's exactly what I found. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Any parting advice you'd have for any anyone trying to either start a business? Yeah, this would be my parting advice. Because I maybe start like I said, I get, I get philosophical say. quickly because I, I kind of enjoy that. And at, at the same time, I think that's where a lot of our problems. What's one what that? Make it easier then. <laughs> I'm going to go real tangible what are, what are here. Okay? Some things that, but I, I do want to just go for it. a second talk about why, and maybe you can say this before the show to make it easier to listen to. But the reason why I stay in the clouds so much philosophically is because I think the majority of our problems start with wrong questions we ask ourselves or wrong things we say to ourselves, like wrong answers to wrong questions or wrong answers to the right question or whatever. Okay. So maybe we'll say that before the show, listen with that in mind, okay? Listen with seeing yourself. But the parting advice would be this. Um, if people can instead use fear instead of try to quiet it and use their energy to just focus you, listen to the voice inside your head that says, okay, I love doing this. And I, in 2019, almost anything is monetizable. So if it starts as a side hustle, great. If it starts as a full-time job, great. If you start it doing it for free, great. But my advice for just go grind listeners would be you work way too much to hate what you do. You're smarter than you think. And the answer to your question that you listen to this podcast maybe to get is probably already inside of you. Go find a mentor to ask you the right questions so you can organize it and get it. Okay? That would be my parting advice. So get a mentor. Ask yourself better questions, have more confidence, believe in yourself more. That's literally just, that's, only, that's the only thing that's worked for me. When I tried to go wake up earlier, when I tried the widgets, when I tried the app, when I said that software, that piece of language is what you needed, I was in get client mode. I, it didn't work. Go give people value. Go give people value in what you love to do and you'll run into money. I think that's great. Where can people... Go and learn more about Great question. Five, um, so, because I'm, I'm hidden um, at the moment. So, I just started doing the Instagram thing. So, you can find me on Instagram. Some days when I get lost in my days, I, I don't post. And other days, I'll have 20 things on my story. Hopefully, trying to just shake up the way you're thinking that day, maybe. So, Instagram, you can find me there. Smiling Sam 10 at smiling underscore Sam 10. My website, if you went to it, as we record this, it would you'd be redirected to say under construction. Because again, this business is brand fucking new. Sorry, excuse my language. But 
So you'll be able to find my website at www.sps.enterprises. You can email me at sam at sps.enterprises. You could text me, you could call me, you could Facebook me, you could WhatsApp. I mean, you could find me if you want to find me, but I'm going to do a better job in, in like moving forward of just trying to give content away. So that's kind of the goal with the platforms, right? Awesome. Well, Sam, thank yeah, so dude, thanks for, for all your right? Thanks for what you're doing. It. And I, I lied uh, saying I'm not jealous of you anymore. I still am because of, of all the stuff you get to learn, man. <laughs> like you're getting your MBA and meeting amazing people at the same time you're interviewing some solid ass people and 20 years, 10 years from now, five years from now, when your friends are mad at you because you're tripling their income, remind them of this, of what you're doing. Cause I'm, people are paying, people pay attention to you just, have to just like you pay attention start. to other people. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So thanks for having exactly. me, dude. 100% man. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. As always, the show notes are over at justgogrind.com slash podcast. And you can support the show over at patreon.com slash justgogrind. And please, please leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It does help more people find the show. Hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day.